everyone. Thanks for checking out the Citizens Podcast. We are the high school student ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Sundays at 11 a.m. in the student wing. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you posted it on your Instagram story and tag at NBC Citizens. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity that we can to come and worship. Lord, you are a good God, Lord, and we will never get tired of saying that. You have, do, you have done for us way more than we could ever imagine, Lord, and you still continue to blow on our mind, Lord. And so I pray that today and every day we will continue to rejoice singing of your goodness, Lord. I pray that today as we open your word that you will speak to us and that we will be challenged by what you have to say, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, guys, you may be seated. So a little bit of disclaimer, I got to go to an a Indians game on Friday, and uh, I don't know if you guys are following the Indians, but on Friday, it was a crazy game. They ended up winning on, uh, on a, on a walk-off uh, sacrifice fly, or whatever you call it. Basically, they were supposed to lose, but they ended up winning. We were screaming, it was, was wild, and so I lost my voice. So throughout the message you hear a little bit of a voice crack, so just go with it, whatever, you know, just don't worry about it. But anyways, we're excited, I'm excited to be here. Also yesterday I got to play some golf, or actually I got to see people play golf, more, more like it. Uh, and, and, and so I, I, it's been a long weekend for my voice. So anyways, summer love. I want to I also point out to the fact that today we're talking obviously about the topics of dating, the one, and marriage. And, and what I think is interesting about this series is that we've been doing this for three weeks now, today being the third one, and this is the first time that Trent Chaplin has made it to, to, this, to the series. Yeah. He chose... He chose a very important one. He was a strategic in how, you know, he wanted to be here for the one where we were going to be talking about dating. He's 28 years old, and, he, and, you know, and, you know, so there's still things to learn. There's still hope, all right? So I'm so excited to do this series. I hope that you have enjoyed it. It's not your typical dating series, but I feel like it's something that we need to talk about. You guys are getting taught this idea of dating in your schools, in your friend groups, in society, in culture, in the movies, in whatever, music. And so it is important, too, that as a church, we take our time to talk about this idea of relationship and dating. And if you remember, for those of you that were here on the first Sunday when we started the series, we talk about the, uh, this idea of how us as human beings, we were created to be relational. God, when God created man, he said to him, it is not good for you to be alone. And so he gave the man a woman. And from that point on, he set the standard for what the world, for what humanity will be in that it will be relationally. Not only that, we're told that we're created in the image of God. And God himself is that relational being in that he is in relationship with the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so you see that in us, there is a need and a desire to have relationship, whether that is in an emotional level or in, a, you know, my boo and my, my girlfriend, my, my boyfriend type of thing, or my husband, my wife, or even friendships as, you know, my body, my, I don't know how girls call themselves, but, you know, female friends, uh, bodies, I guess, but females. Uh, but anyways, we're, so we talk about this stuff, and we talk about how at the core of it, you have a desire and a, and, a, and a design to be in relationship, but we also talk about how there is this 
other factor that, that, that mostly motivate people into giving themselves out, into dating, into starting a relationship, and it's this idea of a fear of loneliness. How we put the two together that we think that if you have a relationship, whether it's in an emotionally and physical relationship or it's a friendship, you will not then feel lonely. And that if you feel lonely, it's because you don't have a relationship. And then we go back and forward. And we talk about how people do whatever they can. They are willing to sacrifice themselves. They're willing to give part of themselves. They're willing to lower their standards. They're willing to lower their morals. They're willing to do whatever for the sake of not feeling alone. Because nobody likes to feel alone. Nobody wants to be alone. And so we are willing to date people. We're willing to marry people. We're willing to have friendship that are not the right things to do because we do not want to be alone. We hate to be alone. Part of that goes back again to our original design in that we are relational relational beings. But there's a danger there in that when you are pursuing a relationship just so that you will not feel alone, you're going to be very disappointed because you'll find yourself that in friendships, you will feel alone sometimes. You'll find that in relationship, dating relationship, you will feel alone. And even in marriage, you will feel alone. And that's why you see marriages today that fall through because one of the persons in the relationship will say, yeah, I just feel alone. Yeah, I'm married. I found this individual that they say that for better or worse, that for good and bad, they'll be there for me. But right now, through the circumstances that we're dealing, I'm just alone. I don't have anyone with me. That's why in that feeling of loneliness, they're willing to step out of the boundaries of marriage and and indulge in affairs, sexual relationship with other people. Because those people help them in the fear or help them with that feeling of being alone. And so you see how there's a major danger when we get into relationship because we're afraid of loneliness. But nonetheless... We are relational beings, so as such, we've got to talk about relationships. So today we're going to be focusing on those three things, dating, the one, and marriage. Starting with dating, historically, the point of dating began with this idea of you meet someone of the opposite sex that had the potential to become, to be, to, had the potential for you to get married. In other words, you, as me as a guy, will, will, will look at a girl that I am both attracted, but also that I have, uh, I have things, that, that there are things about her that caught my attention, not only physically, but also emotionally, but not also emotionally, but also spiritually, that caught my attention. And I'm saying, these are the person that has this X and Y qualities that not only do I want to date, but really what I want from her is that I get to the point of marriage. And likewise, a girl to a guy. Historically, we say this because even in the Bible, you're going to find, you're going to have a hard time finding verses and passages and stories where it relates to this idea of dating. Because back then, you didn't have any dating. Back then, girls, you were sold by cows. So, uh, <laughs> nailed it. Um, this is it. It, it. But it's true. You, like back then, if I was, a, I have two daughters. I will go to somebody and say, hey, I will give you this. If you give me this many things, uh, you can marry her. I'll give her hand into your hand. But that's how it was. It was more like it's a transaction. It was more like, like, hey, this is what I get from you if you give me this. And, and it's more like arranged marriage. That's how it was in the society. Now, today, obviously, thankfully, it's not like that in most parts of the world. 
There are still parts of the world where that's still the case today. But for us, in this place where we find ourselves, that's not how it is. You girls get a choice. Guys, you get a choice for the most part on who you want to date and who you want to date, you know. <laughs> Other of you will still be helpless and there's nothing that we can do. But here's, here's, what, here's what is important about this. is that when this idea of dating first started, you will, you will date only when you felt like you were ready to marry. You will date only when you will say, yeah, this individual that I'm going to open myself to, meaning emotionally, not necessarily physically, because we talk about this idea that, you don't, you, that, that openness of, of your physicality is only reserved when you are in the confinement of marriage. But nonetheless, you are to open yourself to this person because you recognize that this person has the potential for you to marry. That's how it was historically. However, that's not how it is today. For right or wrong reasons, that is not how dating works today. And, and, to be, and to be honest with you, it doesn't matter how many series we do on dating. It doesn't matter how many verses I read you from the battle. The reality is that as a society, we have been taught to this, to, live, to be brief and not committed. We are a society of brief, of brief and not committing interactions. And because of that, it doesn't matter how many times we talk about the relationship. It doesn't matter how many times we open this thing. You guys are going to do whatever you want to do. That's just how it is. Even as your parents come into your life and they tell you you're not going to date until you're 18, you find a way to like a boy. You'll find a way to like a girl. You'll find a way to text a boy. You'll find a way to text a girl. And you're going to make your own decisions. So instead of telling you when you should date and how you should date and all the different things, I'm here to tell you to, to, to share with you the standards of what you should be looking. But when you get to that point, when you make your decision for right or wrong reason that you want to date, that you will consider these valuable standards because these are instrumental to protect you and to protect the other person so that you don't make decisions now that you're going to regret this. So Proverbs 12, 15 says this, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. A fool thinks he's right on his own eyes. Now, I'm not calling you guys a fool, but there is an aspect that when it comes to dating, you guys tend to think that you know you have it all figured out. And I'm generalizing. I'm not attacking any one of you specifically, but the reality is that when you, till, when you talk to students, when you talk to, to, theme, to teens, they have this idea, this assumption that they know everything when it comes to dating, that they know better than their parents, that they know better than the teachers, that they know better than their family members, that they know better than the pastor, they know better than anyone else when it comes to dating, that you guys are the expert. And so I want to throw this disclaimer with you when it comes to this idea of dating, that a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. So if I convey to something to you today is to consider the things that we're going to be expanding on the Bible as an advice, not from me, but from the Bible himself, directly from God, for you to consider so that you don't give something of yourself that you're not supposed to give, that you don't get yourself in a relationship that you're not supposed to begin in your relationship, that if you are in a relationship right now, that you will examine it, Look into it, consider, and if you need to make decisions towards that relationship, that you make the appropriate decision. So, in that in mind, my first advice for you, and we will say this in the Bible, is do not simply look for someone who reciprocates your attraction. Girls and guys, we talk about this idea, this idea of attraction and how that's the first thing that we want. That's all that we thrive on. We just want to have a guy or a girl that is hot. And we want to just get in a relationship with those type of people that they make, that, that we, you know, that, that those are, that's what we want to do, right? So 
The reality is, that is not who you are to pursue. You are not to simply look for someone who reciprocates your attraction. You are to look for someone who reciprocates your desire to honor God in your relationship above everything else. That is what you should be thriving to find. If you are in a relationship right now, you, meant, you need to ask the question, am I attracted by the way that this individual looks, or is this an individual that is more, before anything else, is more passionate, more committed, more determined to live in a way that honors God, not only in my relationship, in our relationship, but also outside of our relationship. Those are the questions that you need to be asking. You don't just simply want to be with someone that is attractive. You want to be someone that puts their relationship with God before your relationship. So in light of that, there are three truths that I want us to look about dating. Number one, we must be picky with whom we associate ourselves emotionally and physically. This goes in light of friendship, but we're also can able, we're all able to apply when it comes to dating. 1 Corinthians 15, says, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. If you are an individual that you will say, I have good morals, it, all it takes for you to give yourself for someone that doesn't share the same morals than you. All it takes is for somebody that, for, for you to put yourself in a position where you do not have good company. Bad company ruins good morals. That's a reality. You see how many people, guys and girls, get into relationship with a guy and a girl with the idea that just, or with the, only with the assumption that they're attractive, thinking that they have their best interest at hand. But because they are, have not good morals, because they're not good people, because they are bad company, they ruin the individuals that they get into relationship with. That's why we, we have this saying that even society acknowledges this idea of toxic people, how they are toxic relationships. It tells you something that even when even the world, as broken as it is, as, as sinful as it is, has standards for what a relationship should be. How there are these people out there that are toxic, that they destroy, that they hurt you, that they mess with you. But you have to be picky when it comes to relationship. If you're considering dating, if you're already dating, don't just follow who is attractive. Don't, re, don't look for someone that reciprocate their feelings for you. You want to make sure that they have good morals. Because if they don't get good morals, they're going to end up ruining your good morals. Number two, you have to protect your heart. That goes without saying, Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance. From, from it flows the springs of life. Let's be honest. When it comes to dating, the very first thing that we're quick and prone to give away is our heart. When it comes to dating, all it takes is a guy or a girl to tell us one good thing about us, and we ourselves are willing to hear it. Here you go. Take my wallet. You know, that meme. Take my money. It's like take my heart with you. That's all it takes. When it should be the opposite, the last thing that you should give from you, and this idea emotionally, should be your heart. But when it comes to dating, that is the first thing that we're quick to give. The Bible is telling us that keep your heart from all vigilance because from it it sprouts the springs of life. You should be careful of what you do with your, your heart. A couple examples of that is that's why you will set boundaries. 
when you're talking, when you're looking for a guy, when you're looking for a girl that you're thinking about dating, you have to set boundaries. If you do not set boundaries, you're not protecting your heart. If you're not protecting your heart, you're going to end up being a mess emotionally and physically and all of the different things. Not only that, you are to have accountability. This is one of the things that we look down the most is this idea of you having someone in your life outside of your partner, outside of your dating or, or girlfriend or boyfriend that you can go to and confine with them, hey, this is what I'm struggling. This is what I'm doing. I need you to check on me so that I'm not making bad decisions. I need you to ask me this hard question so that I don't make the wrong decisions. You need a kind of accountability. And you need community. That's why it's important for you guys to attend church. That is why it's important for you guys to have an opportunity to do Bible studies. You know, I know that the Abby's doing a Bible study. I know Haley will be doing a Bible study. I know that Jeff and and and, uh, and Chappy Chad. Uh, Trent is going to be doing a Bible study. So I need you guys to consider the reality that there is a value for you to be able to attend those things when it comes to dating. Those things will help you in standing boundaries. You have to protect your heart. Number three, we must do, it must be done only in the Lord. It's the phrase. Must be done only in the Lord. And this is one that I want to spend a little more time because here's what it says. In the context of this passage, you have an instruction about how when you marry somebody, you, you are not to be unmarried. But in the, in, in the scenario that uh, a husband was to die, and the legitimately the husband die and the wife would like to marry, this is this, the, the direct, the standards or the instructions that we were given by God to, the, to, to this church that he applies today to as well. 1 Corinthians 7, 39, a wife is bound to her husband as long as he, leave, he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes. And then the disclaimer, only in the Lord. Only in the Lord, meaning that it only can be someone that is part of the family of God. That only can be somebody that also professes to be a follower of Jesus. Someone that is follower of God. Only in the Lord. That's the disclaimer that he gives them. That same disclaimer would apply in dating. And not only that, you have the next verse in the same book of Corinthians. It says, do not be unequally joked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness. When it comes to dating in high school, when it comes to dating in college, in dating, as you say, all across the board, as Christians, we've been instructed something very clear, and you will find this throughout the scripture, is that you are not to... Partner yourself, keep part of yourself, open yourself up in an emotionally and physical way to someone that does not share the same values that you share, to someone that doesn't share the same beliefs that you share. Here's what happens. When you open yourself for people that don't have the same values that you have, you're going to find yourself with conflict. You're going to find yourself pushed to the wall, asked to make decisions that you're not willing to make, do things that you're not willing to make because you guys are not on the same page. That is why, again, marriages fail. That is why dating relationships end up, end up being super wrong and toxic because you have a person here that believes this thing, a person that believes these things, but they're different and they're in conflict with each other and eventually it's not going to work out and it's going to be a complete mess and it's going to be ugly. The Bible is telling us that when it comes to dating, when, or I shouldn't say what the, when it comes to dating, but the idea of here is that you are only today, 
when it's done only under the, unto the Lord, only on the Lord. Here's what I mean, practically speaking. There's a phrase called missionary dating, which is something that a lot of you guys do and have done, and I know, and I talk to you guys, and you, and you talk to me. Missionary dating is this idea that I can date a guy, I can date a girl that I know very well that is not a Christian, that I know very well that is not a follower of God, that I know very well that not, does not believe in the gospel, that I can date them because if I date them, they'll come to church with me, they'll, they'll do X, Y, and Z with me, and eventually they'll end up believing in Jesus. Here's the disclaimer to that, and we'll go back to, chapter, to the first point, which is could bad company ruins good morals same principle applies there if you think that you can listen girls if you think a guy is a christian simply because he says that he loves jesus you are a fool you're naive a guy will say whatever he needs to say so that he can get from from you what he wants and for you to give yourself away simply on what a guy say i'm sorry you're a fool a guy will say whatever he needs to say to get you to give to get to you. A guy will say whatever he needs to say so that you will trust him, so that you will give a part of yourself that you're not to give, that, so that you will believe something about them. A guy will do all of those things. So that is why you do not get yourself in a relationship with a guy simply because they go walk around saying that they're Christians. That's not the standard of Christianity. It's not based on your, what you say. A good way to know whether you're not a Christian is not that you're just hearers of the word, but that you're doers of the word, meaning that they're actually living out the Bible. We talk about this idea of love in the very first mess or sermon. When we talk about the love, true love is not based on emotions or or uh, physical touch, but it's based on someone that cares about you, that is sacrificial, and that serves you, and that they do such things not to not because they necessarily love you and care about you, but they do those things as an act and service to God. That is what love is. That is the definition of love. Now, when it comes to this idea of must be done only in the Lord, we're so quick to lower that, to dismiss that, to put that aside, and then you find yourself questioning God and asking God, why did this happen? Why did I give myself to this guy, to this girl? Why did I make this decision? And then you're looking 10 years back when you're in college, when you're about to, you find the guy that you want to marry, when you find the girl that you're marrying, and you start looking back at your life in high school and even in college, and you start asking the question, why did I make those decisions? Some of you have parents, or I know of parents, that have made those decisions, that they have been willing to lower the standards, that they have been willing to lower their values, that they've been willing to put that aside and got themselves in relationship with people that they shouldn't have. And then you see now, maybe you are dealing with the effects of that, and then now they're divorced. Maybe you're dealing, maybe you're seeing the effects of your friends and how they're divorced. And it all started with this idea of them not doing it only in the Lord. And if marriage is truly if dating is truly for you to get you ready to marriage, then why would you start making the wrong decisions from the beginning? What not start right? Listen, girls, if I could, if I could really, if I could really, impl- if I could, I, I don't even know how to say it. If I could encourage you with something, be careful of what you believe from a guy. 
just being straightforward, be careful what you believe from a guy. A guy will be willing to say whatever they say to get from you whatever they want to get from you. Be careful. That being said, if you're looking into dating, if you want to date, if you're in a position that you will say you're going to date, you better find a guy that is more spiritually than you. You need to find a guy that loves the Lord more than you. You want to find a guy that is more committed to the Lord than you because we're going to jump into that in a second when we talk about what is the role of man and, and woman. You need to find a guy that is more committed to do those things than you are. You don't want to look down for a guy in the sense of someone that is less spiritual than you. You want a guy that is more mature spiritual than you. That being said, guys, you better step it up because all of you, no, I shouldn't say all of you, guys, in general, not just here in Marinatha, we're a bunch of lazy, dumb, and apathetic individuals. We have a responsibility to step up. And you don't have to wait till you're married to start leading and to start being the man that God wants you to be. You can start being that man today. And the fact that you guys all go around acting like you run the world and that you don't care and that all that is said means nothing is a bad testimony to the girls but also to yourself of what God has entrusted you, of what God has called you to do. And so because of that, guys, you better step up and start growing in your relationship and start making decisions to grow in your relationship with God. Guys, if you're looking into dating and you can even read your Bible once a week, that's a red flag right there. Just flat out. If you try to date a girl and you think that you're going to find a girl that's going to love you and that's going to make you feel better and you can even pray once a week, that's a red flag. So step up. You guys can. The one. I'm going to move a little bit quick through this. The one. It's this idea that God only has one person for you, that he created that in God's Life, you have to find this one individual. And, and, and you see it in the movies. You see it in society. That's why people go pursuing relationships. They go around looking for things. They go around getting in relationship with people because they think that they need to find the one that God had for them. And only then, once they find the one, they'll be able to be fully content. They'll be, to be able to fully be satisfied. They'll be able to feel finally and for once and for all, never feel alone. And so they go on this pursuit of the one. Now, for us to understand the pursuit of the one, we need to understand God's will. And that's where we're going to dive in very quickly. In Deuteronomy 29, 29, we're told, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the works of this law. Well, plainly, plainly, there are two things that we see here. There are two aspects of God's will. The number one, and this is what, this is a little bit more of a theologian, um, uh, or, or more of a, yeah, I, I guess, theologian term, term, but the will of decree is what it's called. The will of decree is this, the things that God has already ordained before the foundations of the world. The things that God has already ordained before you and I were ever created, before you and I were ever made, those things that he had ordained, those are, that's the, the will of the decree. Now, and for an example of that will be in Ephesians 1.11 if you want to read it at your own time. The will of desire, which is what we're going to be talking about, is the things that God has commanded and desire from his people to follow. So on one aspect, which is the will of the decree, 
we don't necessarily need to know what is it about. God has set things forth before the foundation of the world that you and I will never know. On the other side is the, 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 the will of the desire, which are the things that God has flat out said in his Bible that you and I ought to do as followers of Jesus. And so there are three things, or there are four things that I'm going to highlight here, which is the God's will. Number one being to be holy, to be set apart. We have talked about this, 1 Thessalonians 4.3. This is God's will for you that you be sanctified. God's will for you. If you're ever pondering, what does God want from me? What is God's will for my life? Very clearly, to be holy, to be set apart. Number, number two, rejoice always, praise without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. What is God's will for my life? That I rejoice always, that I pray without ceasing, and that I give thanks to him on all circumstances. That is what God wants for your life. That you don't have to go out on full Sherlock Holmes trying to figure it out. It is flat out on the Bible. It is right there. You can know for certain what is God's will for your life. That you be set apart. That you rejoice always. That you pray without ceasing. And that you give thanks to all circumstances. Number three, to bear fruit and to know him better. You ought to bear fruit. You ought to not only be hearers of the word, but actually go out and live out the, the word. You have to be doing the word and also, and also grow to know him better. That is God's will for your life. And then number four, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We talk about this idea when we're doing a series of, 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 on, on the uh, fruit of the Spirit, to being led by the Spirit. This idea that you put your desires aside, that you put yourself aside, and you allow the Holy Spirit to do its work in you. That is God's will for your life. Why don't we take this? Because, <clears throat> because when it comes to this idea of dating, or it, and this would apply to anything that, that, that it comes to decision making, you're going to find yourself, that's, that's a nice circle. You're going to find this circle, right? And this is you right here. If you find yourself making decisions, and I'm on a number of them, if you're being holy, if you are rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, giving thanks to God in all circumstances, if you bear fruits and you know him murder and you're filled with the spirit, you will find yourself here. Not only you, sorry, I shouldn't say you. This is God's will. So God's will is... It's found when you do these four things. Now, here's, here's the nice thing about this. In this, in this uh, design, drawing, whatever you call it, you want to make a decision that you want that about who you're dating. Maybe you want to make a decision about what school you want to go to, who, what work you're going to be doing. You can make a decision here freely so long as you are doing those four things, as, as so long as you're doing the will of God. Because if you are, again, if you are set apart, if you are rejoicing always, pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances, and if you're bearing fruits and you know him better and you're filled with the spirit, then the, the natural assumption is that you're going to make decisions that are not based on what's best for you, but that you're going to be making decisions that bring honor and glory to God. So in this pursuit of God's will, you're not going to see Jenny written down here for me. 
God gave me freedom in, my, in his will for me to find someone. That someone ended up being Jenny, and I'll get to that, what, how Jenny became the one for me. But you will find that you will have freedom. But in that freedom, it's only possible if you're committed to God's will for your life. To be holy, to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances, to bear fruit, to know him better, and to be filled of the spirit. In light of that, you can know whether or not you are actually living out God's will. Now, do you want to know whether the person you're dating or the person that you're going to be dating is the one for you? Here's four questions that you can ask to help you with that. Is this person going to help me to be holy before God? Is Jenny going to be somebody that is going to help me to be set apart from God? Is the answer Jess? Okay, keep dating. Is the answer no? There's nothing else you can do about it. Number two, is this person going to help me rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and be thankful? That person that you're in a relationship, do they encourage you to pray? Are you, are you content because of, the, because of how God is using that relationship? Are you thanking God, not only for the relationship, but for, because of all the things that is happening in your life? Is she pushing you closer to God? Is she pushing you closer to God? Is the answer yes? Keep dating. Is the answer no? Rest in peace. Number three, is this person going to help me bear fruits and know him better? Is this person that I'm dating, is she pushing me closer to God? Am I, am I more godly today because of this individual than I was before? Am I more committed to the church? Am I more committed to God? Am I more committed to being a light in, a, a light in, in this dark world than I was before I met her? Yes? Keep dating. No? See ya. Number four. Is this person going to help me be filled with the Spirit? Is this person, does this person get in the way of me growing? Is this person more focused on fulfilling their own desires? Is this person becoming a temptation for me to just go out and just fill my own desires? Or is this person helping me put my desires aside to give myself to the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in my life? Is that this person? You should be able to ask those questions with anyone you're dating. When I look at Jenny, and I'll give you this little story before we dive into marriage. When I was dating, when I was looking into marrying Jenny, those were the things that I had to consider. I read, a, I got this from a book that is called Just Do Something. And in that book, I read it before I was making decisions. And it's a great book about God's will and making decisions. But in that, I was faced with the reality. Will Jenny be someone that will help me get closer to God? At the end of it all, is Jenny going to push me closer to God? Or is she going to become a, a hindrance for me in my relationship with God? That's the question that you need to be asking yourself. And don't be so quick to just believe whatever they say. You need to make a very accurate decision. Marriage. I'm not going to spend too much on it, but marriage is the best picture of the relationship of Christ, which is his bride, his church. In marriage, you get to see the love that Christ had for us in that sacrificially he gave himself away so that us can experience eternal life, so that us can have abundance of life. In Ephesians 5, 22, 23, we have this. 
Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself the Savior. So, just on that verse alone, we have the standard or the roles of guys and girls in marriage. Husbands are to lead, to love their wives with understanding, and serve them with care and sacrifice. That is the standards for your guys, for you guys. You are to lead, love their wives with understanding, and you are to serve them sacrificially. That is the standard. That's what you have to do. There's no way around that. That is what the goal for you. For the girls, it will be that are to submit to their husband and to love them through their respect and honor. That's what girls, that's the role of the wife, to submit to their husband and to love them through their respect and honor. Now, here's the disclaimer for you guys. These two roles, those two roles are given exclusively to marriage. They've been given on the confinements of marriage. I often see the mistake being made that girls, especially with girls, they go and look for guys that act that way. Although that is the standards for the guys, although that is what we need to aspire to be, although we are supposed to be leaders, we're supposed to care for the, for our, 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 for the females and all those things, let me just flat out and say very quickly, ladies, you are not to find, or whatever you, whoever you're dating now, it's not you, your spiritual leader. Whoever you're dating now is not who you should be looking at to lead you in your relationship with God because you are not married. That description right there is given exclusively to the husband. Although you do want a guy, and I will encourage you to find a guy that will lead, that will be, encourage you to grow in your relationship with God, you do not date a guy simply because he will lead you. And if you date a guy and he wants to lead you spiritually, that is not his role to give, to do. Guys, even though that is not your role to lead, you ought to be leaders in that way, in the way you live, in the boundaries that you set, in how you commit yourself to God. You are supposed to do those things. The danger is, and we have talked about this, is that when God's gift, which is Mary, God's gift for us, when it's done outside of the confinement, it loses the powers that it, the power that it intend, intended in them. And so when you look at marriage, for example, and you start acting like you're dating, like you're married, which you're not. You're dating. There's no commitment apart, uh, uh, besides a, a vocal, a mutual vo- vocal agreement. There's nothing keeping you guys together. That is why you can end up dating and not dating any, or, or whenever you want. When you start acting like you're married, you're going to destroy something that is special and unique that is meant to be in marriage. Girls, stop looking for guys to be your spiritual leader because they're going to fail you. They're going to lead you astray. They're going to make decisions that are based on themselves. And eventually, they may even hinder your relationship with God because you're looking for them, something that is meant to be looking only to God. Guys, even though that's not the standard, you better step up and you better get ready to do that. So, to go for a circle, this idea of dating and the idea of the one and the idea of marriage, here is how it comes full circle. I was 22 years old, 20 or 23 years old. Jenny and I have been dating now at this point for about a year and a half. I, the, uh, let me start with this. When I, when I first saw her and we sat down and we had our conversation and we were, you know, or, or, or we, were, we became friends and all these things, and I noticed in her something that really caught my eyes, something that I was like, okay, this is someone that I would like to, to ne- or, um, 
investigate, maybe the word, uh, someone to get to know better. I went and I sat down with her and I told her, Jenny, I would like to get to know you better. I want to get you better. Here's the thing. I'm not ready to get married. And I don't know if you're ready to get married, but I'm not ready to get married. But, But I would like to get to know you better with that intent that one day, if the Lord brings us together, we will eventually get married. But here's what I told her. I said, Jenny, as we're going to get into this relationship, I am not your spiritual leader. I don't want you to look at me as your spiritual leader because when I fail, because I will, I don't want, me, I don't want my actions to be a hindrance to your relationship with God. I don't want that when I fail, you never go to church, that you look at God and you're like, God, why did you put this godly man in my life and look how he treated me? I want you to pursue God as I pursue God. And if, we're, if you're pursuing God and I'm pursuing God, eventually we're going to find each other there with God and we're going to know whether or not we're supposed to be together. Word for word what I told her. Time went by, we started dating, and as we're dating, I got to see more things about her that I, that I love, things about her that made me get the Lord used to convince me that I, this was the girl that I needed to marry. Long story short, 2017 of May 27, David, I'll know it by memory. Uh, it was our wedding day, uh, and I got to stand with her in front of a, a crowd and say, yes, I do, to Jenny. Best decision yet. And the nice thing about this, or the cool thing about this, is that in that moment, when I said to Jenny, I do, is the moment that she became the one. I don't need to go out pursuing. I don't need to be wondering who the one is. The one is the one that I marry, which is Jenny. I don't need to wonder if in God's decree of, 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 <clears throat> of the will of decree, he predestined Jenny to be my wife. I don't need to worry that. I don't need to know if it is his will. If I follow those four things that I said, I can know for certain that Jenny is the one solely on the fact that we marry. So my encouragement to you, if I can pull it plain and we're done with this, I went way too over, is this. When it comes to dating, be smart. Don't make decisions now that you're going to look back with regret. There is freedom. There is grace. There is love from God. Nonetheless, we are, have to deal with the consequence of our decisions. So be careful. Don't be so rushy and so quick. Number two, don't fall for this idea of pursuing the one. There is not such thing. The one is the one you ended up marrying. If you get the opportunity to marry, God, that will be who is the one. Pursue God, focus on your relationship with God, prioritize someone that is reciprocate, not just your attraction, but that reciprocates your commitment to God. That is who you want to find, that is who you want to marry, that is who you want to be together. Now, I'm not saying go out and get married now, I'm not saying those things, but when the time comes and the opportunities are in front of you, be careful, be smart. And do what you need to do to bring honor and glory to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for today. I pray, Father, that we will be wise and discerning with what, who we date and, and how we date, Lord. That we will not just be so quick to just fall for looks. But most important, Lord, that we will be picky and that we will be someone that will prioritize someone that uh, is after you, that honors you, that loves you, Lord. And so I pray that you give us discernment in that way, Father. 
I pray that you protect all the students here, Lord. I pray that if there's anyone here that is dating someone that they shouldn't be dating, Lord, I pray that you will make that known to them. But not only that, Lord, I even pray that you will stir in them in their heart the necessity and the recognition that they need to know to stop this relationship, Lord, that they will not feel at peace till they end this relationship, Lord, and in doing so that you will protect them from making bad decisions, Lord. I pray, Father, that you will protect us, that you give us a desire to pursue you, to do your will, Lord, and that we will be found uh, holy and acceptable before you, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen.